Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people. Your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. Welcome to Marin Costello Radio. Today, Toledo, do we have a special treat for you today on episode 11 of Marin Costello Radio. Folks, I have in the studio with me Damien Sandoval, a.k.a. Oh. Sal, a.k.a. Oh. the baby. <laughs> One of my up? favorite humans of all time. I'm excited to be here. We're so thrilled to have you. So Damien has spent over a decade working with some of the largest stars and brands in the world and has evolved into one of the most sought after film directors in Los Angeles. I'm so proud to say I knew you when. His client list includes Adidas, Vogue, Puma, just to name a few, and is sought after by some of the hottest celebrities in the world. With over a billion views on his projects, Damien's zone of genius is keeping a finger on the pulse of the culture and mastering the art of grabbing both the attention and the voice of his respective audience. It is my greatest pleasure to introduce to you the man, the myth, the legend, film director extraordinaire, and my dear friend for nearly two decades, Damien Sandoval. <laughs> Yo, what's up? It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited. And let's get it cooking, y'all. Let's it go. is such an honor to celebrate you and just the wonderful human that you are and this beautiful life that you've built for yourself. It's so crazy to think we knew each other when we were nuggets. I uh, know. Partying at UCLA. Going it's wild. Going it's wild. <laughs> um, so we met when we were young adults, you know, college years I mean but we had our connections go back to when we were kids our mutual connection oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. is my cousin and one of your dearest friends yeah, so yeah. Shout out Ricky Rodriguez yeah hi cousin um but I'm curious to know what was little Damien like little Damien was a, always a creator I, I loved like just building things Legos you know, uh, always sports, athletic competition. I was raised on, you know, always um, just in, in a sports environment. My mom put me in like Little League Baseball, AYB, which is like basketball, youth basketball. Uh, all my friends, you know, this is before, you know, Instagram and social media when kids had to actually go outside. So, you know, I was raised on that last generation of being outside but then transitioning into the technical world of like, you know, logging onto the internet and blocking your home phone line. And it just, just, it, it was a crazy time to grow up. I'm on the fence of both sides. So I got to really experience it. And, uh, you know, little Damien though, overall was just like always a creator and always just an athlete and a, you know, that's just a creative type individual for sure. Have you always been as happy as you are? You know, I have, I've always had like, just, I don't know, like I always feel good about just life and like being able to breathe and like, I read a lot. I, you know, I'm really into politics. I, you know, traveled around the world and just seeing like how fortunate I am to be not only born in America, but also being born in California and then the Bay Area. It's like, I literally had the, 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 the best situation happened to me. And like, just for that, I have to be happy. So I try to always keep a positive, uh, you know, uh, mindset and whatnot, even though when times get times, like I do feel, I do get stressed. Like today I'm stressed because we're moving and it's like, you know, I got my, my son and he's two years old. So he's all over the place. And so, so I try to keep a happy mindset, but sometimes, you know, I do 
get a little stressed just like everyone else. So. Well, thank you so much for carving out time and please give my love to your beautiful family. I can't be believe he's two already. No, where's Tom going? That is wild. So you mentioned up growing up in the Bay Area. And I know for me, as a fellow Bayarian, um, it really transformed how I see the world. It transformed my relationships, how I approach relationships. I'm curious what that did for you. Well, growing up in the Bay Area, you know, we grew up in this real like Silicon Valley tech when it popped off. But then you also, you know, you have San Francisco right there. You have Oakland. You have, you know, I grew up in Alameda, which is right next to Oakland, but also like a 15 minute drive to San Francisco. So we grew up real multicultural. You know, I grew up around Asians, Indians, African-Americans, whites, like Hispanics, like it's just a melting pot for culture. So growing up there, that really influenced me a lot. Just, you know, having different variety of friends and different cultures, you know, um, so growing up in the Bay overall, just like you, I, I don't think there's a better place in the world to grow up in because you grow up in this like uh, melting pot of people. And like there's so many different so many different avenues of ways to make money. Like you have people like doing everything, hustling. You have, you know, people who own nightclubs, bars, restaurants, tech, like it just goes on and on. So it's a very fortunate place to grow up and see all these people making money different ways that like really expanded my mind totally you also have this love for exploration and travel mm. how early on was that onset of getting the travel bug yeah so what what when it really hit me was i was in like about to go into my senior year of high school and my mom's boyfriend he just retired from the coast guard after 25 years or 23 years something like that and you know, that, that summer before you go to like your senior year is like so precious. And all I wanted to do was spend it with my friends, you know, chase the girls I liked, do all that stuff. But they really forced me. They said, okay, you're coming on this trip. And we loaded up a pickup and we like traveled through like 38 states, I believe. We like went all over and we like slept in national parks and then a hotel the next night. And we were doing like four states a day, like traveling and just seeing all this like different part of the United States, like that opened up my mind and expanded it. So he was the one who really expanded my mind to see like, yo, this world out there, like is really beautiful and you need to take time to see it because it's so important. You just can't get caught up in your routine over and over. So that was like what, got my mind like okay I want to see the world after that like man I just started like I told myself when whenever I get financially you know set to do travel I'm definitely going to take the time to travel and so I started you know traveling to a country here traveling to a country here and I started like making a little bucket list and it became an uh, obsession to like try to see the world and you know so far I've seen 37 countries I've been to every state in America and it's, it's just been a beautiful thing. And hoping this Corona stuff could die down so I can get back <laughs> out there and really try to get, I really wanna do 50 countries before I'm 50. So that's my goal. I have no doubt, I have no doubt. So at what point did you move from NorCal to SoCal? To that was like, that was like uh, I wanna say eight or nine years ago and it was beautiful. Hold on real quick. I just wanna make sure my son doesn't pull this wire out. Baby, baby, can you close this door so Sapphire doesn't pull the plug out on the computer just in case? Thank you, baby. 
so you always got to 10 steps ahead. I'm like thinking like this, this is going to be a good interview. The last thing I would want to happen is like the cord go get unplugged. And we're like, wait, what happened to Damien? He's two. He's on the move now. Oh my God. You take your eye off him for one second and he's over there in Barbados. Oh my gosh. So (laughs) funny. So funny. but, But yeah, what was the last question? What was the impetus for you coming down to LA? Like you said it was eight or nine years ago. Like what, what made you think, I mean, I know that a lot of our mutual friends were down here already, but. A lot of the mutual friends were down here. And, you know, at the time I was like coming down and like living on like Trev's and Knickknack's couch for like 45 days at a time. And I just loved the vibe. Everyone was just like real independent. It wasn't the Bay Area. It was a different it was a different vibe. And at the time, the Bay Area, you know, they had the hyphy movement going on. So it was real wild out there. You know, people were just a little different at that time. So I, I, I'm, all, I'm always like a more reserved, relaxed type cat. So I was like, Let, let's just make the move. My girl really wanted to move and I wanted to be a director. That was like, what better place to be a director at than L.A.? So. You know, I just was like, all right, we're going to do it. And uh, at the time, I didn't have any credit. I couldn't get like, an, uh, like trying to find a place was impossible. You know, you got this like 20 something year old kid and trying to move into a location and, and no one's having it. They're like, you don't have credit. You don't have any like really prior like uh, like tenant history. So it was hard. Found found a connection through a, through a mutual friend. They hooked it up, got me in here, and that was the start. I moved to Pasadena originally. I was making the drive to L.A., but, man, I can't see myself living anywhere else. This place is incredible. It's a really special place. Um, you are very generous with how open you are on social media and yeah. showcasing, like, where you started and where you are now. Yeah. I'd oh, yeah. love to kind of walk through that journey to kind of – I mean, that is that's honestly – when Q, my producer and I decided to start the show, that was one of the main core values of the show is to really showcase the behind the scenes because we feel that there's so much content in the world that's very rah-rah and this is how I made it, but no one really talks about like the struggle and how you actually got there and what that looked like and the sacrifices that you made. So your story to me is always touches my heart. So I'd love for you to kind of walk us through that. Oh yeah, incredible. So yeah, growing up, you know, my dad, he, you know, first off his, my dad's hundred percent Mexican. His family came from Mexico. He was born to work. Like that's all he knew, but my dad, he was a real sharp guy. He was a businessman, opened up some restaurants. We had a pretty good upbringing in the beginning. The DEA, uh, FBI and IRS came, raided, took everything from him. Literally fighting a trial, went to the ground zeros, ended up in uh, this place called Bethel Island, which is, hold on, you guys good? Yeah. All right, back up, you see the stuff I do. So, <laughs> so I ended up in like Bethel Island, which is like the trailer park boonies, an hour outside of uh, San Francisco Bay Area, ended up there with my brother, you know, rent was like 400 a month, like we were just doing bad, just trying to figure it out, went back to the Bay Area, started like trying to figure it out like was doing music production at the time was struggling like barely making anything got into the music production side of things and was charging people like 15 dollars an hour to come to my house and record like you know i'd make like 75 dollars a day it was enough to barely get by and i had like this little studio apartment on park street it was like 300 or 400 square feet 
I remember that. Yeah, six hundred dollar, uh, six hundred dollars all in with utilities. Like, I had like, uh, like people who were coming out of the fifty one fifty psych ward is my neighbors who they were like giving the houses to. Like, it was just a crazy, crazy, uh, like little first starter apartment. But I had people coming through. I was recording them, doing all the music stuff, and this was right when like YouTube came out in like two thousand four-ish, five-ish, like, I think you two been out, but it was, like, not really a thing, so a couple of my buddies who I was doing music for, they were like, hey, man, like, you want to do a music video, but but at the time to do a music video, you needed, like, a hundred thousand, this was, like, that era where music videos were, like, Huff Daddy was, like, flying and shit, like, it was just a different time to try to do a music video, they weren't really independent, so I got picked up this camera. It was like a like a two hundred dollar like camera. It was like the size of this cup. It literally looked like an iPhone. And I just decided I was like, hey, like we're gonna try to shoot a music video. And that day changed my life because when I shot this first video for my friend Cooks, like it, the rule changed. Like I put it on YouTube, and we were like, wait, it's that easy? The video was so bad, but like I started generating like a little fan base of people like, hey, I want one of those. Because at the time, no one had a music video unless you were this big major star. So I was doing all these music videos for all these like no name people. And I was doing them for free. I was like, I just wanted to do them just to like, I loved it. And I was like, this is so cool. Like look at YouTube and people are like, what's YouTube? Like a lot of people didn't even know. So I kind of like started generating like that. And then next thing I know, someone was like, hey, I'll give you like 200 bucks. And I was like, oh, cool, let's get it. So I transitioned from like the 200s to the 500s. And then I I like bought a better camera, I bought like a thousand dollar camera. And then I upgraded to a $3,000 camera. And I started working with like, good local artists like Mr. Fab and like other like people in the area who were now paying me money to do their videos. And I was like, wait, like I could turn this into a career. Like, like I said, I'm like a creative hustler. So once I see like green and I'm seeing like there's money coming in and no one's doing it, I'm literally wide open in the lane. Like there's no one doing this in the Bay, except this guy named Eris Jerome, shout out my boy Eris, uh, who kind of mentored me at the time and like was tell showing me how to do things and like edit and hooking me up with the cool program. So I basically learned this new thing that no one was doing and I tried to master it every day. I become obsessed with it. I just was like, oh man, like I loved it. It wasn't even about the money, but the money came. So I rolled the dice, went to LA. I put my life savings down on this camera called the red camera, which is like a Hollywood cinematic camera. And that thing, like that, that changed the game. The camera alone got me in every single door I needed to be in because it was a, a Hollywood cinema camera. And I just put my life savings on it, went in and that camera like opened the door for me. Uh, I wasn't even qualified to have that camera. I just knew um, from like a business side of things, like if you have something people need, they'll come to you whether you're qualified to use it or not. So that- I think you and I- I think you and I have a similar approach to business because people often say, well, what's your business plan? Or do you have this? And I'm, for me, I'm like, I know that this, it's either this or nothing. Like I need to, I need to go all in on this. So what is your, what would your advice be to someone when they're trying to figure out if they should do something or not? You have to love it. Like if you don't love it and you don't like it, like if it's not a hobby, it's probably not going to work out because anytime it becomes a job, it becomes stressful. And when you start dealing with stress, that's negative thoughts and all that, like 
I love it. I loved creating videos. I loved music. So it was just going hand in hand with what I was doing. Like I would still be doing it to this day, even if I weren't getting paid. Like I love capturing images, like just of my son. I always try to like film him and be like, hey son, like when you're 18, I'm going to show you this video. Like I just like capturing periods of time. I don't know why. It's just like something I've always been interested in. And man, I, you have to just love what you do. That's what I, I recommend for anyone trying to chase anything uh, business-wise. That's amazing. So you got the red camera. How long ago was that? Shit, that was like six, seven years ago. Yeah. That so that was very shortly after you moved down to LA? Very shortly after I moved to LA. Like literally like within like six months, seven months. Because it was when I got to LA, I'm now competing against the best of the best. Like all the top guys are out here shooting all the up and comers want to come out here and shoot. And I had this little rinky dinky camera and, you know, I, I still wasn't skilled enough to compete, to make that camera look as good as some of these other guys who were way more advanced than me. So I knew I was like, Hey, if I get this camera, there's no, like, I know I'm going to have the top quality without having to do much work. So that was the, the strategy I had in my mind. Like, okay, just go all in, like buy this camera and figure it out. And, I know I could connect with other directors, other production companies, other artists and say, hey, I have this camera. It's basically like saying to someone like, hey, I have a Ferrari. Do you want to drive it? And they're like, hell yeah. Like even people with money, some some people don't have a Ferrari and they, they still will just take you up on the offer to drive it. So I basically had this camera and I, I used it as a networking tool. And I, I created this like um craigslist ad and at the time the camera was renting for like i think 1300 a day and all the companies that had them wanted insurance they wanted you know uh cois all like basically everything like it was just top tier to rent this camera and i had my shit on craigslist for 500 a day and i put in that that i'll come to the set and operate it for you so not only was i renting it out making money 500 every time someone hit me i was also going to these film sets with these big big film sets and I was connecting the dots like hey man hey take my info if ever you need it like so I made all these crazy connections and you know that's the main part about it that I think was the game changer was just the connections I was making the name I was making for myself and also just going to set and watching these top people use my camera and asking them the questions like hey how'd you do that like what was that and them showing me so that was the game changer. That's amazing. One thing that I also love and respect about you so much is that you are very practical from a financial standpoint. And I think from someone who is exposed to, you know, the glitz and the glam of Hollywood, you know, I mean, you're in film, I'm in fashion. So we're both very, we're inundated with it all day long. Um, But to still remain humble and grounded and practical, I would love for you to speak to your approach to finance and your approach to money, because I know from watching you and just from knowing you how you chose to live simply for so many years and not necessarily, even now, not necessarily cash in. You just keep reinvesting and reinvesting and reinvesting in your craft. So one, I want you to talk about where that comes from, but two, can you kind of walk us through that mindset? Because it's definitely, you know, in this, in this culture of Instagram and showing off and social media, that's not really what people see. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. So money equals freedom to me. Like if you have money, you, you don't have to give your time away. So I always knew, I always wanted money. Like I always knew what it could do. It could buy me that toy. Like as a kid, like 
it really started with my dad giving me a little money and telling me to save it instead of spending it. And it was so hard for me not to spend it. But I was like, in, at a, as a kid, like my favorite games were SimCity, Roller Coaster Tycoon, where you like had to build these theme parks and learn how to operate and run them. Otherwise you lose the game. So I understood just from playing these games that reinvesting into like your little like roller coasters or hiring the janitor to keep your theme park clean. Otherwise people are like uh, spilling drinks on the floor, pooping on your floor and like you lose the game. So I learned early on just playing these games that you have to reinvest to be, be successful and grow a company and do all that. So I've always loved, you know, uh, trying to make my money um, work for me. And I didn't really learn that tell about maybe a couple years ago like really social media opened up the door for me to like follow all these wealth pages and like read about like um these investors who tell who like who challenge you even to make one dollar while you sleep just make one dollar while you sleep and you, you think about it like how, how can i do that and once you learn how to make money while you sleep that's when everything changes and now like oh man hold on someone's calling me let me decline this okay there we go let me get back to this. Hey, how the heck do I open this? Okay, so we're back. So reinvesting my money, like I will not stop. I told myself I will not stop reinvesting till I hit X amount of dollars, which is like, I really want to be making a million dollars a year without having to do anything. That's like my goal. God, these people do not stop. Hold on. Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, I'm good. I'm doing an interview right now. I got to call you back. Okay, I'll call you right back. Sorry about that. Um, good. Yeah, it's a busy world over here. So long story short, um, investing is like the most important thing I could recommend to anyone. You don't want to get your money. You don't want to spend it. You don't like, it's real tempting to, to buy nice things, but really like how many times do we get, do we get tired of something? You buy like, you know, a nice pair of shoes that you might really like, and then you wear them a couple of times and then you're over it. Like, me, I want to be financially set where I don't ever have to do anything, where I could just literally sit back and, and just relax and travel the world. So I always recommend to anyone, like, try to live real below your means. Like, you don't need that new apartment that is going to run you more money and stress you out. Like, the, the goal is to be as least stressed as possible, live uh, financially free, try to try to make your money work for yourself and, and don't over don't overspend like literally like I see a lot of people who make a lot of money, but they only have like a thousand or two thousand in their bank account because every, you know, Sunday they're going to brunch and they're buying new clothes and they're, you know, they, they have a car note that's expensive and, and they're not making any money like the goal is, is to like save, save, save. And then when you have X amount of dollars to invest that into a business that can make you money without you having to be there. Like, for example, you know, I opened up a, a film studio and that film studio turned into six. And like now I'm making X amount of money every month. But instead of me paying myself, it's just going back into the company and I'm buying more real estate and I'm investing into more more camera gear and putting those into rental houses. That's bringing me eight to 10 percent back on my money every month and investing into cryptocurrency, the future of technology like I'm just investing, investing, investing until I could really be comfortable. And I think everyone should have that mindset. I think everyone should, should learn that. And also just remember like 
life isn't about material things. You really don't need to dress um, perfect. You you can you can wear like normal clothes and people will still love you. It's like I just recommend just get out of this materialistic uh, mindset that a lot of people are in. That's all. So beautiful. Well, it's such it's such a departure from the lifestyle of Los Angeles. So I think yeah. for someone like you who is in LA, who loves LA, who's been there for, you know, nearly a decade to still hear that groundedness and that perspective from you is super inspirational. And it just kind of goes to show that you don't have to get sucked into that culture. It's completely a choice. Yeah, exactly. What, really were, what are some of the things, cause I do know that, you know, with being in LA, the you know, it's a driving culture. It's a going out culture. It is a flashy culture. So what were some of the sacrifices that you had to make to choose yourself or choose your business over? Yeah, well, you know, like I said, like putting my life savings into that camera, you know, I could have went and bought a really nice car and felt good. Like, oh, I deserve this car, but not nah, F that. Let's get the camera. Let's put this thing to work and let's let's turn this money into more money and then more money and then more money and open up businesses and invest, 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 like all that time will come. And really like, I look at that stuff as like when people buy all these really, really nice things, it's almost like they're trying to make themselves feel better in a way. And I'm real confident. Like, I don't need that. Like, I don't mind pulling up in, you know, my wife's 2011 uh, Toyota Camry to a meeting. And I don't mind, you know, um, dressing in like a Columbia shirt. I don't need Gucci. I don't need that. Like my personality, I feel like is going to shine for me. And I feel like the intelligence is what also like, you know, makes me feel good about myself is that I could have a good conversation and I don't need to say here, look at my Rolex or here, look at my, you know, Gucci backpack. Like I don't, I don't need, that doesn't even like entertain me at all. I just, I'm, I'm big on like investing and just, trying to live as humble as possible. Also, you know, like there's so many people starving and so many people out there who are hurting. Like I just wouldn't even feel right buying a $500 shirt from Gucci when I know like, you know, my family might have a bill due or, you know, my sister might not have enough money for groceries. It's just, I just try to try to think realistically and not get so caught up in the glitz and glam of LA. And also living generously, you know, to okay. have the capital to help other people to give back to you know, be generous to yourself, but also to other people. Yeah. That's beautiful. One of, my, one of my mentors, shout out my boy, Cal. He's like probably one of my wealthiest friends who like, you know, he, he comes from a family of immigrants as well. And he's really grounded. He, you know, I've traveled the world with, we've been to Europe, Colombia, Brazil. He's, and he's taken me there and like really great guy. And I've had a lot of long talks with him and he basically, he's, given me plenty of books to read that I loved. But one thing that really stuck out to me is like, if you give and you don't want anything in return, the universe is going to bring that back to you in bigger ways. So, so just try as much as you could to give without expecting anything. And it, it will come back to you. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be in a year. It might not be in 10 years, but it will come back to you. Just spreading that energy is going to make a better world. And that piece of advice has stuck with me. And I've always tried to do that. Like 
a, a couple weeks ago, I saw this guy at the bus stop. I was walking down the street with my coffee. And he was like, oh, man, are those the Yeezy shoes? And I'm like, yeah. And he was like, oh, man, those are cool. And I was like, come with me. And I brought them to my house. And I gave him, like, two pairs of my Yeezys that, that you know, that I don't even wear. And, like, and just, to, and just like, and the, the smile on this guy's face, he was like, wait, really? Like, oh, my God. Like, you know, I've always tried to just take care of people uh, without wanting anything in return. And just because I like to see other people happy and to give people hope in life. And I think if the whole world does that, the world will be an extremely better place. So was that something that you learned from your mentor? Was that a moment where like you were potentially down and then they did something for you? Or where did this like, aside from just that conversation, where did that come from? It was just boss talk. I think we were like on the way to Brazil and, you know, we're having a couple drinks on the plane and, you know, the Brazil, we didn't have any Wi-Fi or any on-screen TV. So it was just one of those like, you know, drunk convos. We were like on like a, a eight hour flight to Brazil and we were just talking about life. And, you know, I was real intrigued with him because, you know, he, he is a real successful person coming from a family of immigrants. And I just was picking his brain and he was just telling me about life and some of the secrets that he's been taught. So, you know, I really took that into consideration. Like I really try to listen to people, you know, who I look up to and ask them and pick away their brain, their secrets and try to use their sauce with some of my recipes. So. I love that. Who are some of the other people you said that, you know, access to the internet and to, you know, other quote teachers that are in the, in the entrepreneurial space. Are there any particular people that you look to on a daily basis? Oh yeah. So a lot, when I was coming up, you know, my first big break with the camera stuff was for pink dolphin clothing. And those guys changed my life. These were young, you know, multimillionaires at young ages, 25, 26, and they gave me my first shot with the camera. They brought me on as like their head director doing all their lookbook clothing. They took me to Miami, Bora Bora. Like these guys, these guys were like some of my biggest inspirations. They were younger than me. And they basically were like the, some of the coolest people I ever met too. Like not only just like really good businessmen, they were like, like they turned into some of my best friends. And those guys taught me a lot about business marketing and, you know, uh, collaborating and, and all of that. Um, also, uh, the company I'm signed to now, you know, um, multi-million dollar production company, uh, they got they, the head guys over there, Andrew Listerman, uh, Scott Sheraton, uh, Kevin Boston, you know, those guys are real, real intelligent on the video side of things. This was a company I looked up to. One day I wake up to a DM from the vice president. He's like, hey, we want to meet. And like, I'm just like blown away. Like it's my dream company. I watched these guys create some of the best videos for like Lil Wayne, Tyga, like all like the biggest of the best songs, Chris Brown's. Like they were just like my favorite company doing the coolest, best videos. And then one day I wake up to a DM and now me and those guys are really cool. And we're working on other business ventures. Like we're, we're trying to open up a, a hotel in Joshua tree now. And these like, we're bringing each other different sauces and trying to just, you know, crack codes that are bigger than film. But yeah, man, a lot of inspirations, a lot of people I look up to definitely in LA. So. How long ago did you have representation? Oh, this is about a year and a half ago. It just, it just started going. So, you know, I was doing the film stuff for a while, maybe like eight, nine years, and it took nine years to finally get good representation. But um, I also had an uh, a agent for that, Martin Davis, shout out my guy. And we were real small time. We weren't doing any like big, big label videos. It was more independent artists. But I got Martin off just doing like a little $500 video in the desert. 
that that video opened me up to getting him and then uh you know things slowed down and then riveting hit me and then boom next thing you know i'm signed with this major production company and doing some really big videos so from getting the red camera to then doing your $500 Craigslist ad to then, you know, amassing your network, amassing your Rolodex, yeah. what did that lifestyle look like in terms of managing your day-to-day versus once you got a manager versus, and then once you were signed to an agency, what, yeah. what was, how were the, how did they differ? So in the beginning, it was more so you, ha- I had to hustle for myself. I had to do the follow-ups i had to text people and say hey i want to work i had to send the dms i had to do all the groundwork on ground zero which was really cool because it showed me like how like you're in charge of you you at that moment like everything the money coming in it's all up to you on how you how much hustle you're putting in how much network you're doing and all that so in the beginning it was just more so me and then when I got my my first agent Martin he was the one doing it for me because he was getting like you know a percentage so he was like okay let me do all this because I'm gonna get paid every time he gets paid and then once I had uh riveting when the production company you know they're giving me briefs and keeping me busy where you know i'm having to write concepts and 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 juggle not only uh my personal life but also my production life with them and you know i also have six film studios i have running i have a two-year-old so a wife uh, you know i'm just busy and moving i'm just all over the place so it's it's sometimes overwhelming and the main thing is just to create a little checklist in your notes of things to do and just start checking them off one by one and just set that goal like okay i'm gonna do this next i'm gonna do this next and not to get overwhelmed so what do you have an internal staff do you have an assistant or are you still doing everything yourself you know i'm real weird i like to micromanage everything of myself because i know i'm gonna get it done and eventually i will hire an assistant i just haven't found that right person yet who moves the way i move i move real fast and um, I'm real organized as well. So I really don't need anyone, but I do have a staff. I do have a team of people who I hire for videos. I, I you know, for my locations, we have a couple different site reps. And um, for the most part, just the, the, the main managing isn't that hard because I have it down to a, a science to where I know, like I wake up, boom, boom, boom. And then in the afternoon, boom, boom, boom. And then at night, boom, boom, boom. So, yeah. How do you organize yourself? What sort of tips, tricks, tactics, apps? Like, how do you keep everything so solidified? Phone notes and my phone synced up to my computer. So I, I'm always right there. I always try to make a, a to-do list before I go to bed. And, a, and a, a lot of people have to-do lists, but I also have a do not do list. So for example, mm-hmm. like, okay, when you first wake up, don't get on social media for the first two hours. Uh, do not um waste your time watching this don't try not to watch an hour of tv so i have these do not do lists too as well but so i just try to balance the two the to-do list and the not to do list and if you try I to love that, that yeah you'll, you'll be pretty good and just always try to like you know i always try to do something beneficial uh every day no matter what give an example um I'll try to do an hour of research on something I, I want to do in the future. I'll try to do an hour of research on that. Like lately, I've really been involved in cryptocurrency. I love everything about it. I love uh, the whole network. So I've just been studying every day for an hour at a time and really digging deep in these Reddit forums and places people don't look. So I love it. I actually have a site for you that I'm that I'll I'll send to you. That's really good. My uh, one of my cousins is. Um, 
in cryptocurrency and he's reporting on it and his, his site has gotten picked up quite a bit from different uh, news outlets. So that's an aside, but I'll send it to yeah, you for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, what does your like everyday routine look like? Every day I wake up, I got to handle the business for the, for the film studios right away. I send out the schedules to my site reps, let them know what's going on. Check my emails. Got to see if I got any uh, briefs from the production company where sometimes I might need to write on something. Um, I'll plan if I have a shoot. I might need to do a little pre-planning for a production. Um, you know, always looking at the finances, juggling, making sure I'm on top of that. And then right after that, I'm taking my son to the park every day. Try to do at least an hour and a half, two hours with him. We'll go get lunch after. Come back home, drop him off. I'll try to do a quick little 30-minute workout just to circulate the blood grab another coffee and then whatever I need to do after that, I'll do, I'll have that like two hour window where I could just like get done, whether it's writing a treatment for a video or uh, uh, like doing more social media work for, for my production studios, or even, um, you know, looking at Zillow, looking at uh, potential properties I might want to buy. I'm always on the look for, look out for a hot property and just, just staying on top of the business. That's the number one most important thing, just staying focused, not messing around. I rarely go out, I rarely party, I rarely hang out with friends. Like I, I'm literally just laser focused right now. Same, real recognized real. <laughs> You're tuned into Marin Costello Radio with Damien Sandoval, film director extraordinaire, my favorite human in the whole world. Um, Sal, you work with a lot of friends. And so I'm curious, and a lot of people will tell you don't mix friendship and business, don't mix family and business. Yeah. So how do you maintain your professionalism and your boundaries when working with friends? Yeah, well, it's hard, you know, the friends always want a crazy discount. So it's, it's always hard, but I try to give it to them. Like if I have an open schedule, and I don't have, you know, a much going on I'll always try to like I said you give you give without like wanting anything like it's going to come back so you know I always try to do that because you never know man like that video that I might do for someone for one of the homies for free that might be his big break and like if he if that happens like you know he's going to come back with the, with his label budget and spend with you so it's like you know in always just trying to help someone with their dreams like that goes such a long way and people will never forget that and just like giving is like a big part of my life I always try to just give even if it's a compliment to someone in the elevator like hey like nice shoes or like I always try to just put that little spice of like good energy out there just so the world's a better place so with with friends and business it's tough but you got to do it otherwise like are you guys even friends like it's tough but you know that's that's a that's a, a tricky subject and you know overall just I try to do as, as much as I can as best as I can but a lot of people do understand I'm really busy as well so I might not have time today tomorrow or the next day but we'll eventually get there I love that you spoke earlier about treatments being part of your daily ritual if you do have a shoot coming up what does creating a treatment look like for those who might not be in the industry wow creating a treatment is like the worst and the funnest part of the whole being a director so it's basically like for example like you know um let's just use like a big artist for example like Wiz Khalifa they have their new song coming out and they're like hey like they give it to the label the label sends it out to the production company and you'll you'll download the song you'll listen to it and you'll have to come up with an idea for that that uh that song so it's like when you when you hear the song like 
you, you, you got to remember you're competing against probably 20 or 30 other people who are writing an idea for this record to like basically say, hey, this is what we're going to do for the music video. So I always try to come up with the most craziest, coolest ideas, whether it's using like an infrared camera or doing some sort of crazy like uh, camera technique. I always try to come up with something real crazy to where when the artist sees the treatment, they're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I want to do that. Like, for example, like uh, my first big video with Riveting, the, the company I'm signed to, like I did a, a treatment for Wiz Khalifa um, where everyone knows Wiz Khalifa smokes. So I was like, how do we make Wiz Khalifa be higher than he's ever been in his life? Oh, we're going to put him in a hot air balloon. Who's done a video with hot air balloons, especially a hip hop rap artist. So I, I wrote up this concept for like hot air balloons and them flying through the sky, passing each other like blunts and weed and, and partying and shooting in the hot air balloons. And man, that was my first video with Riveting where it was like my first real big break. So I always try to come up with something different and creative and writing that is most like easy as possible because a lot of these artists their attention spans they're real stars they don't got time to read a whole a script they just want to see like hot air balloon colorful passing blunts like i try to make it as easy as possible so you could read the whole thing in like 30 to 45 seconds and know what you're getting so i love it do you have a visual component that you include with that treatment or is it just oh, written yeah. oh no 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 yeah the, the the images are so important so that Whereas most of the time goes to searching for the images, whether it's pulling stills from movies or going on like Pinterest or Unsplash or Google and really, you know, diving deep into finding these photos and then creating this deck, you know, on like um, Photoshop or like Final Cut and piece, basically creating a pitch deck. That's all it is. Love it. And it's also essentially an audition, right? Because you mentioned yeah. that they're sending it to different to different oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. producers. Yeah. So the video commissioner who oversees the whole project, uh, he looks through them and he'll filter them out. He'll probably five, find the five best ones he likes, and then he'll probably send those five to the artist. But yeah, you're competing probably against another like 10 to 30 directors. Wow. Wow. To gain some perspective on the industry, and there's no need to name names, but I want to know what your best experience, well, let's end on a high note. I would like to know what your worst experience working with someone who's in the industry, and then also your best experience. And like, you know, we don't need to name names, but I'm just curious just to kind of give people an understanding of maybe the different characters that you work with. We'll start with the worst. I mean, the worst is obviously... Um, a lot of like hip hop rap artists because a lot of them you know their whole persona is like you know like doing drugs or smoking or drinking and then they're showing up with their entourage who are coming 20 or 30 deep a lot of them have guns like it's just like a real tense environment and so so those are those are sometimes the worst but sometimes those are the nicest guys as well like uh, some of my favorite artists are these hip-hop artists and like some of the ones you would expect to be like crazy thugs or like bad people are honestly some of the nicest people with like some of the best manners like um the worst is just when they show up for five hours late and you have this whole like schedule of like like i said i'm a real organized and like sharp person so i'm like like we need to get this done here, this done here, this done here. And then they show up four or five hours late and you're like, 
all right, throw everything out the window. We got to start from scratch and like revamp everything. And that's probably the toughest part of my job is when the artists show up late. But for the most part, you know, um, everyone's real professional. There's a lot of money on the line. So people do take it real serious. But the worst is just when the artists show up four or five hours late and they're all messed up and like trying to talk to them is like talking to a baby. So that's the worst. Uh, the best, without a doubt, is the traveling experience for me. Like I said, this video stuff has taken me all around the world Italy, Bora Bora, Hawaii, Florida, London. Like, I, I've been so many places, Brazil for videos, like all, all over. That's my favorite thing is traveling. But now that I got, like, you know, my, my son and he, I can't, I don't want to be away from him for that long. So, the best part is honestly just like seeing your vision come to life, like creating that treatment and then trying to execute it. Like that's my favorite part is when we make a video and it looks exactly how the idea I had. So. That's awesome. What, who is someone or like what was an experience that you had with a client or someone in maybe a veteran in the industry that really impacted you that was a really positive experience? Hmm. That's a good question. Let me think about that. I don't think anyone's ever like like made a big big impact because most of the time when you're dealing with these artists, you're you're talking to their managers or their creative directors. Like with the artists, it's it's just more you kind of shoot the shit with. You're more just like, hey, what's up? How you doing, man? Like everything good? Like it's not really like most of the artists aren't really hands on. The big big artists, at least, they're they have creative directors and people who like you know will speak up for them. The artists are more so just chilling in their zone, but. You know, one one thing that impacted me was like, you know, when I when I worked with Wiz Khalifa, like that was someone who I like listened to his music and I loved him growing up. And it was just like, dang, you're really like hanging out, working with Wiz, creating this video and just like talking to him. And like, you know, we're talking about dieting, like hella, hella weird. Like, you know, he's like trying to bulk up and like, you know, I was asking him, how's that going? And, he, you know, he's really into nutrition and I'm into nutrition. And we're just like having this conversation about nutrition. And he's like, it's just, just an average normal human being when, you, when he's this massive star, you know? So that is probably the thing that impacted me most is realizing that these are actually just normal people, even though they are mega stars. They're just, they have, you know, normal personality traits, just like everyone else. At the end of the day, we're all human. We're all human. So, so now, now just like what impacted me most probably is like, now I just look at every like big artist, big star, like is a normal person. And I don't have the butterflies anymore. They're just a normal person. So I'll walk up and treat them just like I would treat anyone else. Where when I was first coming up, I was like, kind of like, watch what you say, like, be cautious, be careful. But now I'm just like myself, which is really cool. That's great. Well, you also have the client list and the clout to back it up alongside being a wonderful human. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm curious, what are your non-negotiables in business? Um, non-negotiables it's just I, I just try to make sure that we always have a decent budget to try to do things like i don't like if it's a big artist i don't want to promise you something that i know can't be true so a non-negotiable is you know just trying to over promise people i just always try to be really straightforward with everyone about what we're doing how we're doing it and that you if you show up four or five hours late, like you can't blame me if you don't get the video you you deserve. So like, I don't really have too many non-negotiables. I try to work with everyone and with how they move and everyone's different and I know that. So I really just try to 
explain to people up front, like, hey, if you're on time, we're going to get a great video because we're going to we're going to be able to knock stuff off. If you show up sober and you're easy to work with, it's going to make my job a lot easier. I just try to put all the cards on the table because I've done so many videos, probably 500 videos. I know what to expect from every single person. And I try to just put the, the, the five most headaches on the table like, hey, we cannot have this. We cannot have this. Leave leave your try to leave your entourage at home. There's no need for your friends to come to set. Let's just let's just come to work, knock this out and I'll get you back home like that is to me is like the most important thing is just trying to put the cards on the table and explain all the problems that might go wrong before they happen. So they're aware of them. I think one of the best compliments that was paid to me by one of my new hires, she said to me, um, I'm getting a call now. <laughs> We're in demand. Look at I it. Know. <laughs> uh, she said to me, Marin, you have this amazing ability to be, to be kind, but to also be very direct. And I think that you also have that skill set. Was that something you were naturally born with or did you, did you develop that over time? I developed it. I, I really developed it. Um, you know, I, just dealing with situations and the way people treated me, I learned like, okay, I don't want to do that to someone. I don't want to be that to someone. Always try to take time and explain to people and try to be as nice as possible, but be direct and try to just get to the point and not like blabber on. Just let's just figure it out. Okay. And you gotta you gotta know who you're dealing with. You gotta like understand some people, you know, are are more aggressive, some people are more laid back. So you just have to the main thing is just like studying who you're working with and try to watch interviews of what they're doing and see who they are and understand them before you you get with them and you clash heads. I never clash heads. I'll always say I'm wrong first before they are. That's just me. And then I'll figure it out on the backside. But I never want to try to make someone feel like they're uh, they're wrong or they're stupid or anything because that right there, if, you, if the moment people start feeling like that, they shut down. So it's very important to try to, you know, make sure you're, you're, you're real open to people and work with people and try to figure out the best solution in the nicest way. I love that. Um, what is next for, for you for, I mean, with all your projects? I'm trying to really, really like, I'm trying to buy a warehouse in downtown and they're not cheap. They're a couple million. So that's where I'm at right now. Um, I'm just trying to save up just and make a couple more moves. I got an online school I'm coming out with just making that passive aggressive income um, while I sleep. That's my number one goal is to make a million a year without having to even leave the house. So, you know, I'm coming out with online courses. I'm coming out with a course, how to write a treatment. I'm coming out with a course, how to open a film studio. I'm also coming out with a few digital assets for film. Uh, you know, I'm managing the six studios, the film company, the family. It's just, it's every day. The, the schedule is, is packed tight. And that's why, I love I, it. that's why I was like, with the interview, let's do it now. Cause I have, I have time. It's perfect. It's perfect. How can we support you? man, just, just put this out there. Like, uh, this is the second interview I've ever done. I'm real selective with who I try to, you know, give interviews to and like, you know, your family. So of course, like this one, I'm excited just to get this out there. And like my family, like my mom and, you know, my dad, they love watching them because they're just like, wait, like I never got to know this about you. So just put this out there. Let's get it cracking. That is so great. Um, one of my last questions for you, what does success mean to you? Just being free, just having the, the financial freedom to just like live your life how you want, not having to 
go clock into work, not having to, you know, be a slave to someone else. Like be, being successful to me is just being like, okay, cool. Like today I'm turning off my phone and I'm going to the park with my son and we're going to go get lunch at the beach. And I don't have to answer to anyone. That to me is successful. The moment you don't have to answer to anyone. Evan, kiss that little baby for me. Um, where can people find you on the internet? At Instagram, Damien Sandoval, Damien.Sandoval. You could Google me too, just Damien Sandoval. My Instagram will pop up. Look out for my videos and check me out. Well, you're the best. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so grateful that we get to share your story and, and we'll be in touch and good luck with the move. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm trying. Hey. You're doing the best. Well, if that doesn't fill your heart up, I don't know what will. Thank you so much to Damien for sharing your story and sharing so much knowledge and wisdom with us. You are the realist. Hey. Um, a massive thank you. A massive thank you to Dash Radio for hosting this podcast and to our producers at Island City Media Group for making the show come to life. If you would like to connect with us offline, you can find me at Marin Costello and Marin Costello Radio on Instagram. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Wishing you a beautiful day and we will see you next week. All right, guys. Take care. God bless. Walking round, round, and if 
you feel me going head and round, round. That's the way we have to get down. Said I can't forget those rain.